Please pray with me. <clears throat> May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I suspect that many of you are familiar with the television show Survivor. If you aren't, it's a reality series where a group of contestants are stranded in a remote location with little more than the clothes on their backs. They must provide for themselves food, water, fire, and shelter while they face a variety of challenges and endure numerous hardships. At the end of the series, the one lone survivor takes home the prize. I've never watched the show, but I've seen several ads for it. And I have to admit, I question the sanity of people who put themselves through this kind of torture, who are willing to live and survive in such desolate conditions. Because most of us spend our lives trying to avoid these circumstances and places. But as much as we try, Survival in desolate, wilderness-like places seems to be fairly common for people who are followers of God. Abraham, Sarah, Elijah, David, even Jesus all spend time in the wilderness. But nobody in scripture spends as much time in the wilderness as the Israelites, 40 long, years. Under the leadership of Moses, God delivers the Israelites from years of backbreaking slavery in Egypt. In order to get to the land that God has promised them, the Israelites must pass through the wilderness. But because of their lack of faith, their fear, their complaining, and their disobedience, what should be a 40-day journey turns into 40 years of wandering in the hot, barren wilderness, leading them to think that maybe the bondage and slavery in Egypt really wasn't all that bad. Like the Israelites and others, we too spend time in the wilderness. Pastor and author Rob Renfro talks about wilderness experiences as something unpleasant to something totally unbearable. Wilderness experiences often involve deep suffering and sorrow, the loss of a loved one, a financial crisis or health crisis, the breakdown of a relationship, or some other painful experience like a global pandemic. The kind of experience in which we see no end in sight as we wonder how we can make it through another day, leaving us with the question, how did we get here? Sometimes we enter the wilderness by our own mistakes, sometimes by the actions of others, sometimes by the flow of life, or sometimes by God's purposeful plan for us. But in some ways, it doesn't really matter how we got 
to the wilderness. What matters is how we respond to our wilderness, because ultimately, we will leave the wilderness in one of two ways, bitter and angry, with a heart that's hard towards God and others, in a sense, taking the wilderness with us, or we leave transformed with hearts that are tender and open to God and others, ready to receive all that he desires for us. The decision is ours. Renfro boils all of this down to one concern, one thought, one idea. Don't waste your wilderness. Don't go through such pain only to gain nothing from it. Don't waste your wilderness. But when everything's going wrong, when we're all alone or living with a sense of hopelessness and the pain is too much for us, when our most honest response to all of it is, where is the nearest exit? Just get me out of here. How do we not waste our wilderness? When we're struggling to experience God's presence in the midst of our wilderness, how do we guard our hearts and minds so that when we leave this time, we leave with a deeper and renewed faith? In the midst of our exhaustion from the daily stress, the isolation, and the monotony, how do we grow closer to God when we feel so far from him? I believe that Deuteronomy 8.2 gives us some insights into these questions. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your hearts, whether or not you would keep his commands. Moses begins in Deuteronomy 8.2 by telling us to remember. The command to remember is so vital in our wilderness journey. In fact, it's so important that Moses repeats this word over 40 times in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, remember from where and from what you've come. Remember the experiences you've had. Remember who God has been to you. Remember what God has done for you. Remember. Moses understands the struggle to remember. So do we. I know that I need to write things down in order to remember them many times. My guess is that this is true of most all of us. While forgetfulness is a part of life, there's a deeper, far more serious issue that some of us struggle with, what some have named spiritual amnesia. Being a little forgetful is completely different to having amnesia. Amnesia refers to a large-scale loss of memory that may include important milestones in life, memorable events, 
key people in our lives and vital facts that we've been taught or told. Spiritual amnesia is forgetting God, forgetting who he is, what he's done for us, his grace and love, his faithfulness, his promises we've read in scripture. It happens to the Israelites, it happens to us. In fact, we can probably relate in some ways to the person who when asked, what is your greatest temptation? Answered, my greatest temptation is to forget God. No wonder Mo Moses repeats over and over again, remember. When scripture commands us to remember, it involves much more than the retention of facts and information. It's feelings, events, experiences, relationships, and attitudes, in particularly in connection to God. It's remembering our relationship with God, of how he listens to us, of how he speaks to us through his word, through music, through worship, and in that still small voice. We also remember God through each other, which is why our connectedness is so important. We help each other remember as we share what's happening in our lives, as we pray for and encourage one another. Through all of these, we're reminded of God's faithfulness, how he has led us through difficult moments and through trials that we've faced. And as we remember, we begin to see God more clearly and know that he is with us and that he will lead us through this wilderness time. Moses then tells the people to remember how God led them. He provided food and water for them daily. God miraculously prevented their clothes from wearing out and their feet from swelling during these 40 years. Think about that. Think about how often our clothes and shoes wear out. So why, after 40 years, did the Israelites' clothes not wear out and their feet not swell during all of their wandering? It's because of how God was with them. He saw and cared for their every need. Moses also tells us in Deuteronomy 8.2 to remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. All the way means during the good times and successes, during the hard times and adversity, and during the times that we simply don't understand. Our grandchildren are two of our greatest joys in life. Like all grandparents, we cherish our time with them. A few years ago, when our granddaughter Emma was just two years old, she started saying something to us that we found fascinating. When we walked in the door of her home, she would come to us saying, Grandma, Grandpa, shoes off. Or if she was at our home with me and Wes would come home, she, the first words to him were, Grandpa, 
shoes off. I remember one time when this happened and the words shoes off struck me. I realized in her young two-year-old mind, the words shoes off meant that we were staying. This wasn't a quick in and out visit. Shoes off meant that we'll sit and play with her, we'll talk with her, we'll simply be fully present with her. I think there are times in the midst of our wilderness journey when we feel so very alone, so discouraged and overwhelmed because we aren't completely sure that God is with us or that he sees us and knows what's happening to us, that we want to say to him, shoes off. But the truth that God wants us to know, the truth that can transform our wilderness time is, he never has to take his shoes off. They're always off because God is always fully present with us. This truth is woven in and repeated all throughout scripture. In Exodus 33:4, God tells Moses, my presence will go with you. Psalm 21:6 speaks of the joy of God's presence. Romans 8:28 and 29 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. However, God's presence with us doesn't mean that our wilderness just disappears or the things that we're wrestling with are immediately resolved, but it does mean we're not alone. God is with us. He sees us and knows our struggles. Because of his deep love for us, he promises to never leave us. In the darkness and pain of the wilderness, it's so easy to forget, which is why Moses calls us to remember. In order to not waste our wilderness, we have to remember but we also must ask God what he wants to do in us, what he wants to teach us through this wilderness time. This is why Moses not only speaks of God leading us and being with us, but that he does all of this in order to humble us. There are times when we aren't ready to receive what God wants to teach us or what he has for us until we come to a place of humility. I think that spiritual amnesia naturally leads to a lack of humility because when we believe that we're in control of our lives, we feel a sense of power, of entitlement, a lack of gratitude, forgetting that we owe everything to God. It's almost as if we forget that every good thing in our lives comes from God. The desolate wilderness can be the perfect place to learn humility because it's here 
in the midst of our pain and brokenness that if we're willing, we can finally come to the end of ourselves admitting, I can't manage this on my own any longer. Lord, I desperately need you. But we will only come to this place of reliance on God when we believe and begin to depend upon him and his promises. Then we begin to know that not only is God with us, but that his grace is sufficient for everything we're facing, even if we don't yet see him at work. The Israelites had to come to this humbling reality. They couldn't free themselves from the bondage of Egypt. They couldn't take care of themselves in the wilderness, and they couldn't make it to the promised land without God. This was a hard lesson for them, as it often is for us. It's hard to admit, I am nothing without God. But until we come to God in humility, there will always be a small part of us that thinks, if I can just make it through this problem, through this situation, then I'll be okay. I can handle it from here. But the wilderness teaches us humility before God and others, not just for the moment of crisis, but as a way of life. It's a time to reshape our perspective about everything and every season of life, in the wilderness and out of it. As we're humbled throughout our wilderness journey, as we become more open to what God wants to teach us and do in us, we also discover that God is testing us to know what's in our hearts, whether or not we'll trust him and obediently follow him. We see in scripture that God tests people in order to reveal the depth of their commitment to him. Jeremiah 12:3 says, you see me and test my thoughts about you. First Chronicles 29:17 says, I know my God that you test my heart and are pleased with integrity. God tests us to see if we'll trust him, follow him, and obey his commands. This testing isn't just for his sake, but for ours as well, so that we'll really know what's in our hearts, because scripture tells us that our hearts can be deceptive. A few years ago, the Buffalo News carried an article entitled, Niagara Falls is going to go dry again. The article told of how in the next year or two, they were looking to temporarily shut down the American Falls in order to repair two bridges that gave access to Goat Island. This happened years ago in 1969 when the American Falls were slowed to a trickle to study the effects of erosion and the buildup of rock at the base of the falls. 
This was a pretty amazing sight as people came from all over the world to see the falls shut down. This shutting down of the falls so that they could see what's really there makes me think of how the wilderness exposes our hearts like nothing else can. The wilderness uncovers the erosion of sin in our lives, an unforgiving spirit, our self-centeredness, our real desires and motives, a lack of faith and trust in God. Just as the scientist can't examine the falls while millions of gallons of water are pouring over the edge, neither can we know the truth of our hearts without allowing God to show us what's in them. We don't waste our wilderness by allowing God to test us, to probe deep within us, to uncover who we are and where we are in our relationship with him. As we allow God to remove the deceit from our hearts, replacing it with the healing balm of his truth and love, we come to know and trust him on a deeper level than we have before. We begin to experience a new connectedness, a closeness, an inner communion with him that transforms our barren, dark wilderness into a life-giving place because we fully embraced God's loving presence. So even as we continue living in the wilderness, we have an inner peace and a grateful heart knowing we're no longer alone. We remember all that God has brought us through, all that he's provided, how he's always been faithful and always will be faithful, and that we can trust him. More often than not, most of us will experience more than one wilderness in our lives. I remember one wilderness we were going through several years ago when our sons were much younger. One of our sons was in first grade at the time, and every once in a while, in the morning before school, I'd discover that I didn't have everything I needed to complete his lunch. So I'd tell him that after taking him to school, I'd go to the store, get what I needed, finish his lunch, and then bring it to him. Even though I had never forgotten or failed to do this, for some reason, he feared that I would. I remember one day taking his lunch to him and praying, Lord, please let him know how much I love him, that I will always care for him and his needs. When I entered the classroom, he looked up at me, his eyes still filled with some fear that I wasn't going to come. I gave him his lunch and walked back to the car thinking, I really wish 
he was filled with trust rather than with fear and apprehension. I don't remember God ever speaking to me audibly, but he has spoken to me in that still small voice many times. And as I got into the car, it was one of those times. He said to me, Cindy, if you as an earthly mother desire for your son to trust you and know how much you love him, how much more do you think that I as your heavenly father want you to trust me and know how much I love you. I sat in the car outside the school that day, deeply convicted because it was true. I wasn't trusting God the way I should. I had failed to remember who God was that he was always with me and that he would lead us through that difficult time. That moment in the car began my transformation in that wilderness. After all the trials and hardships the contestants experience on the television show Survivor, the prize for that one sole person left is a million dollars. I wonder, after it's all said and done, does the winner believe it was worth it? My prayer for us is the same as Renfro's, that when we leave the wilderness, we'll be able to say, I wouldn't go through that again for a million dollars but I wouldn't take all the money in the world for what I learned about walking with God. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Father, thank you that you see us and that you know our struggles. You know that some of us are living in the wilderness right now. Give us the grace to remember that you are with us and that we can trust you. This we pray in your name, amen.